0: Hi, Bookworms. We're super honored and excited to share that MNK Talk YA is going to be featured on Two Pods a Day for their January-February campaign.
1: Two Pods a Day aims to introduce podcast listeners to two independent podcasts every day for the months of January and February.
0: Discover more shows like MNK Talk YA by following Two Pods a Day on Twitter and
1: Facebook. Two Pods a Day. Listen more. Listen indie. Talk YA now presents Daughter of Smoke and Bone, Part 1, by Lonnie Taylor. And I'm Marissa Snyder and I'm Katie Bradford and this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast and we're starting season two. This is our first episode of 2018 and we're super excited to be back. Oh my goodness, it's weird to say 2018 already. <laughs> I know! Ah, I'm just really proud of what we've done last year and I'm like really excited for the books we picked for this next season.
0: Yeah, so... The series we picked, the first book is called Daughter of Smoke and Bone, and this episode we're talking up through Chapter 30, so read until you see Chapter 31.
1: And it's called Right, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that when I, I seriously didn't even do it on purpose, I promise. (laughs) It worked.
0: And we also love our dad jokes, so there's um, Exhibit A, I guess, so.
1: Yeah. I should have just used that for my dad joke, done. (laughs) You get the joke at the beginning, and season two. Yeah,
0: you don't have to stick around till the end this time.
1: You don't have to fast forward
0: just to the end to hear the joke. Although, if that's what you do, we'll have another one. Okay, I like, like I'm nervous. I don't know, like, I, like, season two, I want it to be, like, bigger and better and everything, even though I think last year went great, but I'm like, oh, Oh, how, how, how do we make it different this year? How do we make it, I don't know,
1: more special. I don't know. I think we should have more giveaways, definitely. Yes, we should. Even though the first one was, yeah, it was a good start, I guess. Well, everything we've done the first time
0: has been a little bit rough, and we've learned from it. And it's <laughs> That's true. It, so,
1: so we should do a couple more this year, just with different prizes, and because it was fun to kind of organize and plan.
0: And it's fun to get interaction with the fans. I know we've said this before. Like we love getting emails. We love when. People, you know, text us or comment on Instagram or, you know, all the different ways people reach out to us, but it was kind of fun to ask a question and get some feedback, even though ideally it would have been more, but
1: still. (laughs) Well, next time we'll just have a better prize.
0: Yeah, and maybe have fewer steps that you have to do. I think we might have made it too complicated.
1: (laughs) We're learning as we go, guys.
0: Maybe I'll, like, get on Instagram before we do the next one so that I understand how
1: it works. (laughs) That would be a start. (laughs) Okay, so, Daughter of Smoke and Bone. We did say in our, when we built up to this, when we did the reveal that this was going to be our next series, we did say that we have read this series before, both of us. Mm -hmm. Which is different, because usually that's not the case. But this was the one book that we read a while back, um, and we both loved it so much that we, like, scheduled phone dates to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, like, what got the podcast idea started, I think. So this series is like very special to me because it's what I think kind of sparked the idea of doing um, a YA fiction podcast. I
0: agree. And I would say we've always talked about books, but this was kind of the first series after I moved away that like helped us continue our friendship over books and talking about books and specifically YA books. So yeah, I agree. It does. It holds a special place in my heart. And I rarely reread things. So it's been kind of fun to do that this time.
1: Agreed. And and you know what, too? It's like, I I was picking up on things that I hadn't picked up on the first time around. And I mean, a lot happens even in this first half of the book. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to remember how I felt about it the first time around, because the second time around, I was like, okay, I know everything that happens, but... If I didn't, I would probably be so confused.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've had other people tell me that they are confused. And I wonder how much like knowing that you were loving it, because I think you started it before I did, but I think you told me to start reading it even before you finished it. But like, you know, trying to catch up and knowing that you loved it, I wonder how much that helped me get through some of the confusion.
1: Well, I think a big part of it, too, was, like, I was confused, but I was also so intrigued Mm -hmm. because, honestly, this book is unlike any other book I've ever read. And even though we've, like, done a whole series of other YA fiction, I have to say this is – it's super unique Mm -hmm. to me just because, like, the creatures and the characters and just, like, the fantasy of having these chimera who are part human, part part animal, and then the seraphim – It's like, I don't know, it's just, it seems very different to me and a lot more fantastical. Like, Mm -hmm. even though it's still rooted in, like, it takes place in Prague and it's in modern day, which is a lot different from the other stuff we've read, Mm -hmm. this just whole other world of magic seems so much more magical.
0: Yeah. And I love even, like, the idea of wishes and treating teeth and that there's, like, kind of this handful, maybe more than a handful, but this small population around the world that sort of knows about this you know, secret, these secret doors and mm-hmm. trade in wishes and teeth. Like what a, what an interesting concept.
1: <laughs> what a weird concept yeah. and how, and it's so fascinating. And it's also like, I like how it's a little dark, you know, like mm-hmm. how Brimstone is like collecting teeth and we don't know why. And he, they're somehow, they're sometimes acquired in horrific ways. And even the wishes, like some of the stuff you learn about, um, the things that people wish for and how, you know, he says powerful wishes can go awry. Some of like the horror stories yeah. that we get. It's, it's dark. Really be careful what you wish for. Think it through. Think it all the way through. So there's three levels of wishes, right? No, there's more than that. No, there's more than there's that. There's five? There's. Let me see. Let me. Oh, it. yes. Okay. I wrote them down. Okay, yeah. Hold on. Let me get out my detective journal that I write. Well, in. I
0: also. I love how. And when she's introducing the wishes, so she has a bunch of the scuppies, which she says are like the pennies of wishes, but they don't add up. So even if you have like a million scuppies, it's not like you have, you know.
1: A more powerful wish. Yeah.
0: You can just a million times make somebody itch or whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That part was fantastic. Yeah, so the Scuppies are the small wishes, then there's the Shings, mm-hmm. Lucknow's, Gavriels, and Bruxus. Bruxus is the highest power most powerful wish, mm-hmm. and how awful the only way to attain it is to rip all of your own teeth out. Yeah. I read that and I was like, "What?"
0: Although I had questions, I I did have questions about like how do baby teeth work or like you know, like does it do you have to rip your own teeth out or do you just have to give your own teeth and are there like cer like I don't I was just kind of curious about it.
1: And I love how so, Karu, the main character, I love how she uses these wishes for, like, really petty things. <laughs> I love how she recognizes it, too. I
0: actually, you said, yeah. like, there is kind of this, um, like, heavier, you know, dark, like, serious business going on throughout this book. But I like how it's intermixed with these kind of, like, real moments of friendship and real humorous moments. And, like, Susanna, I think, is one of the best oh. parts of this story so far just because she's, like, She's a good friend, but she's, you know, she's got that snark that I always love in our characters. Yeah,
1: she's got an edge. And she's just funny. She, like, really is funny. She is. And she's, like, no-nonsense, which I like. But it's true. Like, Karu has – she really lives a completely dull life. And she has moments where she's, like, talking to Brimstone in his workshop and helping him string teeth. And then she's also – and, like, going on around the world on all these missions where sometimes she gets shot – And then on the other side, she's an art student who is upset at her boyfriend for cheating on her. Like, it's just two Mm -hmm. completely separate worlds. But like you said, it's good to have that, like, teenage, you know, angsty issues that are very commonplace. And then having something that is so bizarre and fantastical on the other side of her life.
0: Well, I also like how she just tells everyone the truth, but, like, with a smirk so that she doesn't have to keep track of, like... (laughs) It's so, you know, she's like, oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I, you know, went to the wishmaker or wishmonger's <laughs>
1: clubhouse
0: and hung out with a snake lady. And,
1: yeah, you know, it's just like. And my hair grows grows out of my head too yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at a picture of Lenny Taylor, and she has this fantastic pink hair. Oh, does she? And I was wondering, yeah, and it's like this brilliant shade of pink. And, it, and it's so awesome. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, I wonder if, like, she's, had Carew have blue hair because she secretly, like, wishes her hair grew out of her head pink. I mean, that would be cool.
0: Yeah, sure would. I wish my hair grew northwestern purple. That would be what I would want. Oh. Actually, I don't I don't think that would look good on me, but I would feel very northwestern-y, which I appreciate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm from Pittsburgh, so I could have black and gold hair. Ooh, that would be And cool. that actually might look pretty good. Cool. Yeah, that would actually. You
0: could, and I feel like you could pull that off. Might be. I think I actually could. <laughs> For, like, a couple days. So I had so another kind of one of those like balancing the serious and the funny, and I have a question for you. So when they start seeing these angel sightings around the world and everyone's kind of you know freaking out and there's sort of this like religious reaction to it, um, Susanna and what's oh, her boyfriend Nick are playing are playing. How much would your life have to suck to want the apocalypse? <laughs> and I thought I'd ask you, Marissa. <laughs> How much would your life have to suck to want the apocalypse?
1: What were some of the... Whoa, didn't Susanna win that one? Because she was like, you go... Like, the one that she gave was kind of, like, closest to my life.
0: It, I know. It kind of made me sad and, like... But she didn't mention and has a podcast. That's what's keeping us That's from true. wanting the apocalypse.
1: <laughs> That's the
0: only thing. <laughs> yeah, go go to work. Come home to your, like, ungrateful children. Like, make dinner and go to bed. Or, yeah, it's like yeah. a very just, like, normal life... <laughs>
1: Um, okay. To wish the apocalypse? How bad would your life have to be? Gosh. Oh, that's easy. A world without YA books. I was gonna
0: say something. Okay, so (laughs) my parents, it's been unusually cold in Atlanta, and my parents are wintering in Arizona, and my dad just came back, and they're doing construction on the house, and the pipe burst. Ugh. And flooded part of the basement. And he sent me a picture of it. And my first response was, are my books okay or do I need to come save them? Because <laughs> there are some books in my parents' basement. He said they're fine, though. Thank bad. <laughs> like, what if I had to start my book collection? What if, like, they're... Ugh, the horror. Would be...
1: yeah. I mean, a world without YA books is not a world I want to live in. So that's my answer. Or the other one would be, I think, I'm trying to think of, like, all the things I hate. I really mm-hmm. hate being hungry and I really hate being... Super cold. If if I if I was just in an existence where I was just super hungry and super freezing all the time, mm-hmm. I don't know how long I could last. So I
0: think you definitely shouldn't enter those Russian Hunger Games. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, I don't think that's
1: happening anymore. No, and yeah, I think that got nixed.
0: <laughs> well, that's probably smart, actually, and a good sign for the world as a whole. Yeah, but,
1: I, but so. I'm still kind of bummed. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a positive thing, really. <laughs>
0: I'll just have to focus on the Bachelor for my reality TV, I guess.
1: So what was your answer?
0: I don't know. I mean, I was thinking, so this whole flooding at my parents' house thing was making me think similarly, but if all my paperback books got destroyed, which wouldn't even mean that the stories (laughs) weren't there, just that I had to start my collection over again. Um, I also was thinking, like, if I lost, because of this book, if I lost all my teeth and, like, I couldn't eat fake teeth and I, like, couldn't eat candy or, like, just, you know, and that's, like, a reoccurring nightmare I have, which I think is supposed to be a sign that my life is outside of my control or I feel like my life is out of control or something but I like constantly lose my teeth in my dreams
1: same here in my dreams though I have like too many teeth and my mouth doesn't fit together correctly that's always my dream we're like I can't close my mouth because I have too many teeth in them but I Mm -hmm. I asked the therapist what that meant and she said she actually had a really great answer she was like okay when you have dreams where your teeth are falling out think about in life when your teeth actually fall out it's when you're transitioning from babyhood to childhood mm-hmm. and it's like a very um it's a very strong time of transition and so she said cuz it's usually when you start school or you know you started you started school and she said whenever you go through times in your life where you feel like you're going through a big change, so like you're starting a new job or you're getting married or you're moving to a new city, and it's like a transition. She said mm-hmm. you'll often have dreams where your teeth are falling out. So is that just because
0: I like my life to be in constant transition and when things are too stagnant, I get anxious and change them up that I have dreams about my teeth falling out literally all the time?
1: Maybe, but you also have had a lot of changes in your life lately. That's true. So.
0: But I think I'm one of those people who like if things are too similar, I'm like something like something needs to happen. I'm going to go like do something ridiculous now.
1: I don't know. Like burn all your books.
0: Well, no, nothing. nothing crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like take comedy writing classes or start a or podcast. Start a podcast.
1: <laughs> um so part of the research I did this week was about teeth. Oh, okay. Tell me more. Did you research teeth? I did not. Oh, good. Okay. I was worried we would have researched the same thing. I researched a lot of stuff, and it's kind of all over the place. I researched
0: some random stuff. So I have something that, like, started with something related to something related to teeth. So when you're done with your story, I'll make this long connection to my fact.
1: And it'll all come (laughs) back together. Yep. Okay. So we learned in the book that brimstone collects teeth, um, animal teeth, human teeth, all kinds of teeth, and we don't really know why. Well, we know why, but... But you don't. We're not telling. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So I just researched fun facts about animal teeth. Okay. And this is on kidshealthyteeth.com. <laughs> Wait, that's a website? <laughs> that's a website. Go visit it. It's great. <laughs> um, so I learned that sharks have the most teeth. They have around 3,000 at a time, but they lose around 35,000 teeth in a lifetime. So they're constantly losing teeth and replacing them and they lose... About one tooth per week.
0: So that's why, like,
1: there's all those shark
0: tooth necklaces and stuff like that, right?
1: Yeah, they're, like, not missing them. Okay, can I interrupt
0: you really (laughs) briefly, though? Yeah. So my tooth fact was also about sharks, because when she's examining the teeth, one of the, like, tests that Brimstone gives her when he hands her a tooth, the answer is it's a... Macko shark, and her fun fact is about how Macko sharks eat each other in embryo and they're all cannibals. Oh, yeah. So I looked into that. That's what I, that's my oh, shark. Oh, well then go, research. go.
1: That so, fits right in. We didn't even plan this.
0: <laughs> so sadly, the little bit of research I did so the Macko, the shortfin Macko shark is a ovoviparious shark, which means that they give birth to live sharks instead of eggs out there. So um, they have a 15 <laughs> to 18. 18- eighteen month gestation period, so it's like a really, really oh long God, time to be pregnant. A time. <laughs> and and when they're born, there's usually four to eighteen surviving young that are born. And the shortfin macro shark, at least based on the few websites that I looked at initially, they do not eat each other in embryo. But So they eat each other out of embryo? No, but not I mean, probably in like the wild, but not like as young sharks. But there's um the sand shark is known to cannibalize in the litter. And there'll be a bunch, they they did like this research of a bunch of sharks that were found dead that had like five to seven eggs versus sharks that had one or two eggs. And they think mm. that the sharks in embryo know enough to, they'll eat like, okay, I'm not explaining this very well. Basically, a shark <laughs> can have babies from multiple men at the same time growing inside them. And oh. the biggest one will eat the babies of other fathers. Does
1: that make sense? How, yeah, but how?
0: How do okay. they know that? I don't know how they well, know that. That's
1: just like they're getting busy with a lot of people at once. It seems like is it just like a big massive shark orgy? So I I don't know if it's just
0: like it, they also think that um, it could be kind of uh, aggressive men just based on like uh. some of the ways they seen. So maybe like they can get pregnant at any. I don't I don't really know all the details, but I do know okay. that. They will often have multiple babies, but they typically give birth to two, and more likely than not, those two will have the same father versus multiple fathers in the, like, five to seven or more range. Gotcha. Or up to 12. I think they said up to 12, maybe.
1: So, what you're saying really is Crew did not get her facts straight. Yeah, but, like, she was so close to getting her facts straight that it was kind of interesting.
0: And... I read, it, and it could just be a legend, but there was this one researcher who, during a dissection of a shark uterus, was mm-hmm. bit by a shark embryo. Oh. <laughs> so they do eat each other. They said usually at about <laughs> five months is when they start to cannibalize.
1: Oh my God. That has to be so uncomfortable for the mother shark. <laughs> but I also thought it's it was- like
0: all these little chompers in there. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, too, that they usually give birth to two. So it's like you kill off a bunch of them, but you like pick your best friend.
1: Or in this brother or sister, <laughs> your actual brother or sister.
0: So it's just, it's kind of interesting. Maybe there's
1: the Hunger Games going on inside the shark uterus that we're but not that aware of. But it's like
0: so interesting when you think about, you know, all the different ways that animals are, have evolved to protect their own line and, you know, protect their DNA going forward. And this is just like another way that they like, their embryos will like look out for their own, you know, like their, their DNA.
1: Yeah. yeah. Their own so
0: DNA. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but really random and not really related to the book at all
1: but related to this research. <laughs> Back to teeth. Um. Okay, so the largest teeth are elephant tusks.
0: Oh, I always forget those are actually teeth.
1: Yeah, they're, they're extra long incisors. Ooh. And they never stop growing. Never? and Never. Kind of like, you know how like rabbits and squirrels have teeth that never stop growing? No. Why would I know that? <laughs> <laughs> did you have zoo books growing up? No. <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's why, like, they have to chew on things constantly. Like, they have to chew on wood or, you know, to, oh. to keep their teeth filed down. Or their teeth will just keep growing and growing. And that's true, because I read that on kidshealthyteeth.com. <laughs> uh, so, the largest tusks ever found on an elephant were on a bull male, and they were 465 pounds, the two of them. And they were 15 wow. feet long.
0: And that's what... She was just carrying through the street,
1: right? That's why I was laughing because that's what Karu was like carrying on the underground. Yeah, on the subway, she, up and down the stairs. Yeah, but we can only see two thirds of the tusk because the other third is like buried in its skull. Wow. But still, so, that's so nice. that's
0: is that why you kill them for their tusks? Yeah, because like, ivory. Remove it.
1: Yeah, okay. you can't really saw. Well, I mean, I don't know. Okay. But that is why yeah. elephants are poached um so giraffes so. and humans have the same amount of teeth interesting yeah and oh my gosh this is insane okay mosquitoes have 47 teeth Ah. i know doesn't that just make you hate mosquitoes even more yeah it really does but they're micro teeth so you can't see them you they're only they're like microscopic but you can feel them or
0: is that do they oh, when should. they bite you do they bite you with their teeth
1: I guess that sounds I don't like know. a
0: little bit I didn't know if they had like a stinger or if they have They a, have a stinger, I
1: think. I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> I should i I'll get up my books and I'll let you know. <laughs> um and then snails also have twenty five thousand micro teeth on their tongues.
0: Twenty five thousand? Twenty five thousand. Wait, how many teeth do a shark have again?
1: Three thousand. So I guess I'm wrong. Okay. So I guess snails well, technically have the most teeth, but they're micro teeth. Micro
0: teeth don't even count. So Yeah,
1: let's not count them. <laughs> Um oh elephant teeth, like the actual teeth or molars, weigh can weigh up to ten pounds. Oh my goodness. And the T Rex had sixty teeth and they were up to nine inches long. Which is just too long. You can't
0: see me right now, but I'm I'm looking at nine
1: inches. Are you looking molars? at your teeth?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mine are not nine inches long.
1: <laughs> so then the wow. other thing I was looking at was um like the most powerful bite that in the animal kingdom. So Mm -hmm. it's measured by, like, pounds per square inch, right? So the human bite is 162 uh, pounds per square inch, or PSI. Okay. And, um... Hi, Toby. (laughs) I don't know what he's barking at. (laughs) I didn't look up dog teeth. I should have. Um, But a polar bear has 1,200 pounds per square inch. And uh, it goes all the way up to... A uh, Nile crocodile has the strongest bite, and it's five thousand psi.
0: I did think it was a crocodile. I remember hearing that once that they have. Well, and they also like there's some weird like their the yeah, way they reflex know. like once they shut their mouth like I don't like, yeah if you touch their tongue really yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah I I read that too that's crazy so that was my that was my teeth research that's good I like it it's such a it's such an interesting thing to collect teeth. I
0: think I still have all my baby teeth, actually. I, I don't know if I've told you this before. I um thought I was going to, like, outsmart the tooth fairy somehow by keeping my teeth and then putting them all under at once at the end. <laughs> but I think instead I just stopped losing teeth, and then I was like, well, now I just have a jar of teeth. And I'm pretty sure it's still somewhere around. I haven't unpacked it recently, but...
1: So I found mine recently. Did you? Yeah. Well, my dad did, because he was, like, cleaning out, the, like, our house, and he just sent me this picture of this seashell box. And inside of it are just not only mine, but also my sister's. We combined our teeth. And it was just a pile of tiny little baby teeth. And it was so disturbing. I wonder. How- and then my sister and I were trying to pick out, like, which ones were mine and which ones were hers.
0: <laughs> I wonder how many wishes you'd
1: get for those. <laughs> Ooh. Except Brimstone doesn't use baby teeth, he has once before. You oh, never that's true. Know. I do know. <laughs> uh, that's just going to be this whole podcast is like us being smug about finally knowing the answers to all of our questions.
0: It's so funny, though, because there are things that I've like, you know, like little details that I forget. So like nothing's shocked me, but I've sort of been like, oh, wait, how how do we get from A to
1: B again? Or
0: like, you know, and I'm like rediscovering as I read. So it's been fun.
1: So who's your favorite character so far? Um, I think it's Susanna.
0: Yeah. And actually... Another piece of my research was kind of related to her, but again, uh, very distantly related to her. So one of the things that Susanna can do that not everyone can do is like all of her eyebrow raising, moving mm-hmm. tricks. So I was kind mm-hmm. of looking into if that's a genetic thing or a
1: something you can learn. Can you do it?
0: Um, no, but I look really funny trying.
1: I can I can, I, can, I can. I can get a pretty good eyebrow arch.
0: I can kind of raise my right eyebrow a little bit while also looking like I've seen something, like, I, like it, my whole face does weird things at the same time. Okay. <laughs> um, but you actually, it's a talent that you can practice and train yourself on. So even though not a lot of people can do it, it's something you can learn how to, you can train your muscles to do.
1: There's hope for you.
0: I was looking at 11 rare talents you probably don't have. That's the name of this article. Oh. And one of them is licking an elbow. So I'm like...
1: Licking your elbow? Yeah. Almost
0: everyone can't lick their elbow.
1: No, I'm trying right now. There's no way.
0: Nope. Wiggling your ears. Nope. Which I can do. Um, but that's also one of those ones where if you practice enough, you can gain the ability to wiggle your ears. Okay.
1: Chad can do it real well.
0: Um, touching your nose with your tongue.
1: Oh yeah. I got that one down.
0: I can do it too, but like I can't, it's not really the tip of my nose. It's like Right. It's like the bottom of my nose, basically.
1: Oh, I can get it like up and over. Cause Well, I have a really big nose. <laughs>
0: okay. So this one, I spent like 10 minutes doing and then had James try as well. Okay. So okay. put your hand on the table. Okay. And put your middle finger, like the joint closest to your hand, the furthest down joint closest to your hand, make sure that's touching, like that knuckle is touching the table and your other four fingers are out. Okay. And now... You can lift your thumb, you can lift your pinky, you can lift your pointer finger, but you won't be able to lift yep. your fourth finger.
1: Yeah, I just did.
0: Then you're doing your hand wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the others are totally flat against the desk.
0: No, okay, but your your knuckle closest to the, like your whole top part of your finger, like fingernail down to the bottom knuckle is flat against the desk
1: on your third finger? Yes. Yes. No, you can't gonna do send this. I'm going to you a picture. I'm going to send you a picture. Okay,
0: you shouldn't be able to do this. I think I may be explaining it wrong, but it has to do with how, how your tendons and your hand are connected. But it's like a really weird feeling because it looks like something you should be able to do.
1: But is it? are they saying that no one can do it? Like it's physically They're impossible? They're saying,
0: I think so. It, they say uh-huh. this is the reason why it's impossible to raise your ring finger without raising your middle finger.
1: I'm a medical miracle, Katie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to send you a picture of me doing it later and we'll see if
1: you can really do it. I'm sending mine right now. I'm probably not doing it right. Well, at
0: first, I was just doing the first joint. It's like the second joint has to be flat, and then I couldn't really do it.
1: Can you turn your tongue upside down? Yes. And I can also do the clover thing. Oh, me too, me too. Yeah. (laughs) I like that Susanna's eyebrow is what sparked all of this great research. You shouldn't be able to – you usually can't tickle yourself.
0: That's another one. Um, You can't move your hands and feet in opposite directions, which you can, but it's really, really hard on your brain.
1: It's also impossible to skip and not smile. Have you ever tried doing that? No. So next time you're out and about, try skipping, but not smiling while you do it. You can't do it.
0: Okay. I believe you. Even just thinking about skipping is making me smile.
1: It's so funny watching someone try to do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the other one, so this is where I really went off the rails. So one of them is sneezing with your eyes open.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I Okay, I've tried to do that, because have you ever, like, after you put on mascara, sometimes I sneeze, but I know if I sneeze, <laughs> I, like it'll go everywhere, because I just put it on. This happens to me all the time, and so I always have to, like, I try to keep my eyes open so wide, like, as I'm sneezing, and it. I don't think it works, because I always end up with mascara all over my face.
0: Well, so there's... I, I always have heard that you couldn't do it at the same time, but I didn't know that there was, like, a rumor that if you happened to sneeze with your eye open, that your eye would pop out? Have you heard about that? Yeah, I have heard that, actually. Okay, (laughs) I hadn't heard that. So I was like, wait, what? So then I did some research on whether your eye will pop out if you sneeze with your eyes open. Um, And so a sneeze, fun fact, is like 75 to 100 miles per hour. Like, that's how aggressively you're sneezing. And there was a story published in the New York Times in 1882, April 30th, 1882, where a woman was riding on a streetcar and was seized with a sudden fit of sneezing and burst one of her eyeballs. Oh my god, like the
1: entire thing exploded?
0: So I don't really know what that means. It said that she burst one of her eyeballs from which she has since been suffering the most intense pain. So I think the idea was like it popped out of the like socket. No. Um, So then it goes on to say there's actually been no modern medical evidence that your eyeball can, it's called sublex, is when it like comes out from sneezing but some people who violently vomit have been known oh my god to do this so then I'm like freaking out
1: about that <sighs> I'm glad you didn't tell me this like a week ago because I had the stomach virus a week ago and I was throwing up for like eight hours and if I also had to worry about my <laughs> eyes falling out it would have been so much worse It would have been end of the apocalypse <laughs> like welcoming the apocalypse bad. <laughs>
0: I told you about my fear of bungee jumping in case my eyeball dislocated or whatever (laughs) before, right? But, okay, so this they say actually it's only likely – or not even likely. It's unlikely to happen unless you also have an eye muscle problem. And, like, your eyeball closing, that's not a strong enough muscle to protect your eyeball. So there's, like – your eyelids aren't actually –
1: closing them isn't
0: really protecting anything. So it's really, like, not going to happen. But – I just went off on this whole tangent about how my eyes were going to pop out because that's – my losing my teeth happens in my dreams every night, but losing my eyes is, like, my real fear.
1: <laughs> well, you'll probably dream about that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talking about eyes, that made me think of the um, – so the eye tattoos <laughs> that Karu has in her hands. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting to me because – We've seen her, we think that we, she said that she thinks Brimstone gave them to her. And when she meets Akiva, the seraph who tries to attack her, she like instinctively throws up her hands and they like repel him. Mm-hmm. And so I was, research, I was researching the hamsas because I thought that was like kind of a really cool element to her where she has these hamsa tattoos on her hands, but she doesn't really know how she got them. But then they mm-hmm. actually end up serving a purpose. And I thought, okay, I thought this was really cool. So this is on Kashgar.com. Um, so the hamsas are also known as the Khamsa or the hand of Fatima, or the hand of Miriam. So it's a symbol of an eye, and it's found throughout the Middle East and also in Northern Africa. And it's really um, prominent in Jewish and Islamic faiths. And okay. so it was, I guess, it was originally used by the Phoenicians. It, it was a symbol of one of their, one of the patron goddesses of Carthage, and it was used as a protective amulet to ward off the evil eye, which is like, okay. everyone's mm-hmm. heard of the evil eye. So they said this symbol, it would protect you from someone transmitting the evil eye to you, and it would um, kind of like reflect the curse back on the caster. Okay. I actually have a bracelet that my friend in Italy gave me to ward off the evil eye, and she was very serious about it. And they're like big glass blue discs that are like blue and white, and they look like eyes, and you're supposed to wear it to Mm -hmm. protect yourself.
0: I got one when I was in Greece.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, good. So we're both protected. Good to know. (laughs) Okay, so in the Jewish faith, the hamsa is called the Hand of Miriam, and it is a hand, so it's said to represent um, the number five for the five books of the Torah. And in Islam it's known as the hand of Fatima and it represents the five pillars of Islam. And I thought this was actually really kinda of cool. So I guess recently the Hamsa is becoming a symbol of peace. In the Middle East, um, Jews and Arabs will huh. choose to wear them to demonstrate the common ground shared by them. So now That's the awesome. hamsa's Yeah, and so it, it's like the Hamsa went from like warding off evil to now becoming a symbol of peace and hope in the modern world. So I thought like that was kind of a nice tie-in because we know right now in the book, we only know there's like a war that's going on between the chimera and the angels. And then we have Carew kind of in the middle and, and we know that Carew's name means hope. So it's kind of interesting that the girl whose name means hope has these hamsas on her eyes or on her hands that now is a symbol of peace and hope in our world too.
0: And she saw them on the wolfman. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thiago. Yeah. So she's not the only one with them, but she's the only one in our world. So there's some, there's weird stuff happening. Lots of questions. But yeah, I've, I meant to look the, that up and I actually, I forgot. But, the Hanses? Uh, yeah. It's, I also just think it's like kind of such a cool image and like, like I, I really want to see her, I should look up some of the fan art or whatever. But
1: oh, it's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm sure it is. Or even just to look up what the chimera looked like, like um, how people imagine Brimstone and Issa and what's the other one? Twigga.
0: Yeah, it's so fun to like the way she's describing them, but it like really it lends itself to the imagination. Even the little creatures that were in the area, like they were like scorpion mice and gecko crabs and things like that that were just like in Brimstone's Workshop, workshop. yeah. Yeah.
1: And Kishmish, I felt, I, like, was strangely really affected when Kishmish died. Even though we didn't really know much about him, just, he seemed so sad and, like, pathetic when he was on fire and she was holding him. And I, I don't know why that, like, struck me. And I was really sad about that. Yeah.
0: Well, it was just, that was such a hard, like, just not knowing what happened. Like, everything kind of coming together all like I don't know it's just it's so and it
1: was also when um she finally came clean with Susanna right where she was like I'm telling you the truth this is what really happened and if he hadn't shown up at that moment with the wishbone she probably wouldn't have believed her and she probably would have walked out and maybe never seen her again so well I think it I think it helped in
0: that moment for sure but I also I love that um she did say later on, she said, her friend was not in practice someone who believed in things, but after seeing Kishmish and getting a little scuppy demonstration, <laughs> she bought it all. <laughs> so, like, I, I love how she was kind of, like, a skeptical person, but also a good friend, and was kind of like, I guess this makes as much sense as anything else you tell me. Like, here's one quick test. Okay. Like, how can I help you? Let me nurse you back to health. What do we need to do to find your friend? Yeah. You know, just, like, I feel like she really, like, came on board really quick and that was another kind of one of those qu- questions as much as you know we talk about believing in a stranger world or you know like thinking and wanting to believe all this stuff is possible and go on these adventures or be convinced of it I wonder how like if you told me I secretly <laughs> hang out with monsters in my spare time if I like at <laughs> what point I'd be like stop pulling my leg
1: and be like oh okay cool what's next um, I you know <laughs> I always ask the question of people, how old would you have to live for you to seriously start thinking that you might be immortal?
0: Ooh, that's a really good question.
1: Because <laughs> like, I mean, people live long a lot longer these days, but I was thinking like, how long, how old would I have to get for for me to seriously be like, okay, I'm going to live forever?
0: I think it would almost have to be more of a near-death experience would make me think that. Instead of just – well, I mean, like, yes, at some – like, if I lived to 180 and everyone else hasn't lived past 130, I'd probably be like, okay, something fishy's going on. But I think before it even came to that, I'd be like, if I had some disease that – or if I had enough diseases that didn't kill me, or if I had another, like, close encounter yeah, or enough close encounters that I'd start to be like, interesting –
1: I really actually secretly want you to tell me that you are, like, a witch. And you know I would believe you in a heartbeat. Well, not on
0: the podcast. We'll talk later. <laughs> that
1: you can kidding. do Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay.
0: <laughs> I secretly, I mean, I really want to, like, find a book in the library called, like, How to Unearth Your Hidden Abilities and, like, think it's going to help me be a better leader at work or something. And then, like, all of a sudden I have magical powers. Like, that's what I want to happen to
1: me. I mean, I would even settle for just these scuppies and shings and luck knows. I know, I, she's it. not appreciative enough of what
0: she can do that we can't.
1: I know, I just love how she was <laughs> using all of them for like, to like torture her jerkface ex-boyfriend and like, even just like when His she, new girlfriend. when yeah. she like walked into the bar and someone was sitting in her favorite seat, so she like wasted a wish on getting them to stand up and leave.
0: <laughs> but it sounds like Scuppies weren't even wasting because she could always, re- I mean, now they are, now they would be because she can't get back, but like. She could just replenish them so easily. They were almost, like, non-wishes. Like, she must have taken that so much for granted. And granted, it couldn't do a lot, but... But
1: it's, like, just enough. Just think
0: about all the little... Like, it's it very different, but it even reminds me of, like, a cell phone, right? Like, before you had a cell phone, you didn't need to be able to, like, check the weather immediately. Like, know how long it took to get in current... Tri- like, all this stuff, but now that we're so used to it, it's like, can you imagine your life without it? I bet that's how she is. Yeah, first
1: but that's exactly the type of wish that I want. I want, like, a really... Low risk wish where I'm not going to end up like that one lady with the bruxus who wished for immortality but forgot to include youth and in good health and was just like <laughs> a pile of rotting flesh. That was horrific. So, like, I don't want a lot of yeah. risks. You want something where even if it goes wrong, it's it fine. Go that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, just to be warm all the time in Chicago. That would probably be a luck now. Yeah. <laughs> At least a yeah. shame.
0: <laughs> um, I did. And it might not have been about scuppies, but I liked when Brimstone, I think it was in a flashback, basically told her something like, doing these silly wishes or, like, wasting wishes on things that people, kind of some of this petty, ridiculous stuff that you're doing, like, that's how people got tried as witches, basically, back in the day. I forget what his exact phrase was. But I, like, am fascinated by witch trials, just, like, how so many of the tests that people went through were, like. If you survive this, then you're a witch. And if you die, whoops, we had right, it wrong. Right. Like, you know, like, oh my goodness. Did but, you research that? No, I didn't actually, but I, I should have.
1: <laughs> Maybe next week. Um, I was going to research puppets because Susanna um, yeah. had that really cool puppet show where she was the ballerina. And it's just like, if this was made into a movie, we always say, if the book was made into yeah. a movie, what scene would we want to see brought to life? When the book It's made into a movie. Is it?
0: I think... Well, I don't know if it's still in works, but I remember reading something that there was a deal and, like, there was a script being worked on or something at one point.
1: Okay. I'm kind of worried about that.
0: Yeah, I almost... Like, this is one that there's so much great imagination stuff that I
1: feel like it would only ruin it. Yeah. I just don't know how they would make the chimera look good and not cheesy. Or two months...
0: Two monster like or to
1: yeah, just to CGI, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want it to cross over into like the ridiculous territory because I think that would be doing the book a really big injustice. Agreed. Um so yeah, I was going to research yes, puppets, sorry. but there were just too many puppets. There were just I got so overwhelmed cuz there's so many puppets. Like there's shadow puppets and finger puppets and hand puppets and I was like that's too many puppets. I'm I can't that do this any puppets <laughs> So I was thinking, I was wondering if maybe you had researched puppets at all.
0: No, but I did read a little bit about kind of like why she picked Prague and stuff. Mm, mm. And I just thought this was kind of interesting. So she did not go to Prague to research this book, but she had been to Prague twice before. Um, And she went with her husband, Jim. Fun fact, his name is Jim. In 2005... (laughs) to research a different book that they were planning to work on. It was a graphic novel vampire story.
1: Okay.
0: But when they were there, like, Twilight came out or something Twilight-related happened, and, like, the whole vampire thing was changed and Saturated, whatnot. But she just had yeah. so much fun, like, wandering around the city, thinking about where vampires would live and what humans would do to protect themselves and all these different, like, traps and, you know, from, like, this vampire perspective. And that's what influenced a lot of the... Um, you know, the ghost tours and the vampire tour pieces of the story. And, you know, she saw a lot of the marionette theaters and different street performers around. And like, as she was writing this book or coming up with this idea, this like world that she had seen, but had never written about, just kind of like felt like the perfect setting for it, which I thought was cool. But I really wanted Poison Kitchen to be real. And I thought because they mentioned um, that travel book plant plant, I forget which one it was.
1: Yeah, the Lonely Planet or something.
0: Yeah, Lonely Planet. I was like, maybe it's a real place. Is
1: it? But it's it's not. And oh, now no. I really want someone to open one. <laughs> oh my God. Can we, can we, okay, new, new goal for 2018. <laughs> we're going to move to Prague and we're going to open up that goulash restaurant. Oh my goodness.
0: We did so great last year. Let's set realistic goals for this <laughs> year. Okay, well,
1: let's just go to Prague. <laughs>
0: But then, and so there were a lot of legends in this that I kept looking up, like, also, I don't know if you remember, but when they were talking about the art school, there was, like, this whole story about the art school and how, like, some, some students there before or something had killed some Nazis. Yeah. And,
1: so and they were, like, that. impaled?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's all these, like, she's just such a creative person. There's all these, like, interesting stories and in interesting places and cool background. But as far as, like, as far as I researched, that was also not based on fact.
1: Did you research the the students that got that killed the Nazis?
0: Well, so I couldn't find the story, so I looked up the name of the high school. So it was oh, the okay. Art Lyceum of Bohemia, and I the only thing I found was related to this book. So I think it was a fictional,
1: oh, a fictional because okay. well. <laughs> I was gonna look that up too. Because that I, I when I read that I was like, oh my god, that's super dark, and how have I not heard of this?
0: I know, and I, I <laughs> keep having these mixed like, oh, I'm so impressed that she like adds in these little details that are so interesting, but then also being like, why is this not real? <laughs> <laughs> You're in Prague. I want to go visit these places.
1: <laughs> the only thing I remember about Prague, well, not the only thing, but the one thing that I loved about Prague was um, the astronomical clock. They have this like really, really cool clock in, um, it's like in the middle of the city. And every I guess I think every hour it goes off but it has so many cool figures that come out of it and there's like the figure of death is like striking the time and um there's like all these apostles come out and it's so it's so impressive to see happen like I just watched it for hours because I thought it was just so 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 cool. That sounds awesome. I've never been to Prague. It's been on my list for
0: a long time, but I have not made it over there yet, so. Now I want to go even more, obviously, because.
1: Yeah, um, it's, it was definitely, like, one of the top three places I went to when I was in Italy, when I was living there. That's so cool. And, like, Prague Castle is, like, the biggest castle in Europe, and it's just, like, it's just such a cool city. Just, even just walking around and, like, finding cool little restaurants and in bars. That's really all we did. Fun fact.
0: Lainey Taylor. Is that how you say her name?
1: Lainey Taylor? Yeah.
0: She said Prague Castle was her favorite real place in Prague. Oh. So she, she also said, I wish Poison the Kitchen was real, but since it's not, Prague Castle was her
1: favorite. Oh, it's the long- largest castle in the world, not just Europe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I definitely need to see that. I've seen so many castles. I haven't seen the largest one. I think we could... Say that we need to do some research for our podcast. We'll start a Patreon page. Um, all of all of our <laughs> listeners, will you go to our fun meet? Go, f- go send me to Prague. <laughs> well, I like that it's in Prague because we haven't visited that city in any of the YA books we've read so far. So I appreciate it that it's set in kind of a different setting.
0: And I also think it's cool just like her character, you know, like learning all these languages, moving around so much. Was like, like it's kind of cool that even though it was set in Prague, you know, she was... Just so easily traveling around the world.
1: Oh yeah, just like being able to open a door and you're anywhere. Yeah, and also like Brimstone giving her languages for her birthday. I know, I, loved I love that. that. Yeah,
0: and I love that she wanted that, and I felt like that really fit into her character of, you know, I there's this missing piece that I feel in my life. Like I don't really know where I come from. I don't really know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like this whole like I felt like I was kind of trying to figure out her identity by like finding connection or community by talking to people in all these different places and still never quite find like I just I loved how that fit in with her character yeah I agree you know she, she was originally gonna call the book wishbone well that was wishbone her working, it was her working title
1: like what's the story wishbone yeah so she said
0: uh, <laughs> there are some practical reasons why I knew it would never work one of them being there's an American kids TV program by that name that dominates the <laughs> keyword searches when you look it up Yep. Um, And at first, she wasn't sure about Daughter of Smoke and Bone, but it grew on her, and she eventually learned to love it. She also said that she, so I I always, I love to, like, hear about different authors' writing process. So um, she said she doesn't really, like, she edits as she goes. So she'll, like, work on one chapter, or or she's, like, very into, like, specific words and getting sentences right. So she has not had like, she's maybe had three full drafts. But she's edited, like, back and forth, back and forth on certain pieces, like, over and over again before it even got to the first draft. So once she actually, you know, brought it to an editor, there's sort of a first draft, some feedback, a second draft, some feedback, and then the final version. But before she got to the first draft, obviously, there's a lot of work back and forth. She
1: edited a lot herself. Whereas a lot
0: of authors will say you just have to finish the first draft, you know, like, just get through it the first time, and then you spend a lot of time editing. So I just thought it was kind of an Mm -hmm. interesting...
1: That is a different way to go about it. Because I've heard that, too, a lot of authors say just, like, just write it all down, and then you can go back later, but it's really important to finish it. Because I can, I mean, I've written, like, so many things that I've stopped halfway through, and it's, like, it's just so easy to get to the point where you're, like, ugh, I just can't keep going, it'll never be what I want it to be, and then you give up. But I think, like, there's also, there are programs that force you to write a book in, like, 48 hours. Wow. Wow. I know about those like challenges
0: to write a book in a month and stuff like Oh maybe
1: the that's no- what novel thinking. November
0: thing.
1: Yes, yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. I, okay. I, it is crazy. Yeah. I got that confused with the forty eight hour film project, which is when you make a movie in forty eight hours. Yeah. Okay. It's um, the novel November or whatever. That's how Marissa Mayer wrote Cinder.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so cool the different ways people write and, you know, even just, and I think it's also interesting to think, like, there isn't, like, a formula. You know, you have to find what works for you and all of that, but um, she also, so, speaking of, like, trying to finish something, she was working on a different story, and she was, like, getting frustrated with the story, and so she decided to take a day, like, a day off of writing that and just, like, write something for fun, and she wrote this scene between K. and Brimstone and just, like, a couple of small like they were trading in teeth. Hmm. brimstone had this wishbone and she just kind of like fell in love with them right there and then i'm starting to ask all these why questions and she said this story was like a very character-led story so she didn't really do a lot of plot like she didn't sit down and like plan out the whole plot up front but really this characters kind of drove the story naturally to where it ended up so i just i thought that was kind of cool too to think about that is cool just like these amazing minds and imagination people have and how these, like, side projects are this, you know, let me just take a break and work on this for a day. And then this comes out of it. Like, awesome.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I can see why her characters are driving this novel because there are so many, so many interesting ones. Not just the chimera, but also, like, the character of Ezel, the um, grave robber who was, like, Brimstone's partner and then, or at least one of his traitors who, like, wished for knowledge and then he was saddled with this. Seraph who is cast out of heaven. Fallen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, I love the idea of this man walking around who's bent over and you can't tell why he is until you see the shadow and you can actually see the shadow of Razga, the, the uh, Seraph, like, on his back. And it's just, yeah. it's like, it's so poetic too because it's like, he wanted to be able to have um, access to knowledge and now he has, like, the burden of knowledge is this angel, like, whispering everything into his ear.
0: Mm-hmm. well and it's so interesting too because i mean traditional story or you know, tradi- you know, angels are good devils are bad right right or demons are bad and in this story i'm not even sure at this point who's good or who's bad but we're on the devil's side like you know that's who we they're the family they're
1: yeah that's what who karu was brought up by Yeah.
0: Exactly. So they may not be the good guys, but they feel like the good guys because that's the side that we're We're on right now. (laughs) And I love how it kind of ties into, like, obviously there's a lot more to it and a lot of questions we have about what's really going on, but it does kind of fit into these legends. You know, people think, oh, this is an angel. Oh, the apocalypse is happening. Oh. Like, I just love how it plays with the real world in this, like, fantastical world at the same time.
1: And also just the idea of, like, archetypes, like an angel and then a devil, Like, none of the chimera that we've seen seem like devils or demons even. And so it's like, at the the heart of it is like this super um, simple idea. Like, I love the intro of Daughter of Smoke and Bone, where it's just like, once upon a time, an angel and a devil fell in love. It did not end well.
0: (laughs) I love all of the, the, the other one we've read so far is once upon a time, a little girl was raised by monsters. But angels burn the doorways to their world, and she was all alone. Like, I think she spent so much time, I bet, getting those, like, two sentences, and I can't wait to see the rest of them, but...
1: I know, because they're all it's so It's just, powerful. like, a cool way. To, yeah.
0: And they set it up well without giving anything... Well, without giving much away, at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, 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 like, how, even though it's so simple, it's so much more complex than that. Like, the angels are so much more complex than, like, your stereotypical angel. The devils are these really interesting complex chimera who are you know hybrids of humans and animals and yeah it's like i want i want to keep reading about this war and what went down between the two yeah and also
0: i mean i guess they are collecting teeth or at least the chimera chimera are but like they don't really care about the people as far the rest of, that we can see like they're not the angels aren't trying to help people or save people or hurt people. like they're just kind
1: of, they're just kind of around you, well, yeah. Well, the camera aren't really helping people either, right? I mean, yeah,
0: that's what I mean. Like that, both like in and they're not also they're not really being devils or demons that we oh, would think. Where they're yes, like, you know, yes. out they're like in a separate world where this is just the landscape where this particular incident is happening. Like right. the people aren't important to the to them. Exactly.
1: They're just kind of in their own world, fighting their own battles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Ah. Ah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's keep reading. Okay. So we're going to finish the book for next week, and we are going to end with a joke.
0: Your turn.
1: Start us off on a strong note. Okay, so we were talking about – actually, this is amazing because we were talking about eyeballs earlier, and this is an eye, an eye joke. Okay. Okay. Um, how many opticians does it take to change a light bulb? Is it one or two? One, or two. <laughs> <laughs> Three or four.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. That's so stressful for me. Sometimes I feel like I can't tell the difference or if I'm going to get like the answer wrong. And I, Oh
1: my goodness. I take Survivor for me too. I sit there just for like a half hour. Like, can I
0: see it again? Wait, is this one They're or two? They're kind of about the same.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, can I
0: blink? Like, yeah. I have so many questions. Uh, that's funny. That's great.
1: Okay. Well... Oh, let's tell people how to get in touch.
0: Oh, yes. So we are on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is mnktalkya, written out. I think Facebook is the same thing. And our Gmail, we have a Gmail account, mnktalkya at gmail.com. We love emails. We love...
1: We love everything. We, we love all the things Tell us a dad joke you. and we'll, yeah. we'll tell it and pretend like it's ours.
0: We may even give you credit. No, we'll give you credit. For sure. <laughs> we may need help coming up with some more at some point. Or
1: if you have a series that you really love, that you want to want us to read, we'd be happy to do that too. Or if you want to be a super fan, we do Super Fan Sundays where we interview fans to get their take on some of the books we read. So if you want to be a super fan, please let us know and we will get in touch.
0: Yeah. And, we, and then you get a chance to talk about one of your favorite series again
1: with one of us. All right. Well... Welcome to season two. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card.